Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yes, indeed. Good morning, and we welcome our friend Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping you out uh, this hour. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Denny. Great to hear your voice on this almost last day of February. How about that? Yes, and I'm looking at the latest forecast, and (laughs) I'm not laughing. Uh, Maybe one to three inches tonight, overnight here in the Twin Cities, and maybe another one to two inches tomorrow. So we'll keep you posted. However, on a positive note, I heard Al say the temperatures will be in the mid-40s the rest of the week after Monday. I received, Mary, just this morning, uh, a note from my my daughter, Tina, who's a fan of the show. And she said this, if I may read this. uh, I'm excited, she says, to bring out my dormant red-leaf banana plants from the cool, dark basement and plant them and start them growing under grow lights today. They get huge, and I'll verify that. Eight to ten feet tall during the summer uh, outside. She says uh, she loves the indoor gardening talk during our Smart Garden show. And I, being over her house in the summertime, it's like a jungle. And I mean that in a, a positive way. I mean, things look so healthy. Those plants are huge, Mary. Huge. Oh, that's amazing. Good for Tina. Yeah, the banana, it, it certainly is a huge tropical It really can't tolerate even much frost, but the base of it, uh, where she keeps it inside, yes, you can keep that alive. We've done that at the Arboretum some years. And uh, yes, then you can start them now, give them a, a head start, and they can come back every year. Quite a bit of work, but good for Tina. I should say, yes, she's got a great green thumb there. Must have got it from her mother. I have a feeling. Uh, 651-989-9226. That's our phone number. And also our text number. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, and you know we tend to get really busy, so don't wait. Uh, send us your text or give us a call if you want to chat with Mary. 651-989-9226. I was looking at some uh, text messages, Mary, and a text we've received this a couple of times, as a matter of fact. Uh, if you use house plant fertilizer 
Why do I often hear, say, use it half strength? What would be the purpose of half strength? Well, we often recommend that because our growing conditions in Minnesota, especially during the winter, we have such low light conditions that plants are really growing at a reduced rate. But sometimes fertilizer can be limiting for any plants that we want to flower, like orchids and uh, if you have any citrus, the Meyer lemons or calamond and oranges, limes that people grow indoors. The citrus has a high requirement for fertilizer and hibiscus, that's another plant we'd like to see flowers in the winter. They do require some fertilizer, but but rather than overdo it, we especially during the winter, we recommend a lower fertilizer rate for that okay. half strength. If you have, again, a lawn or garden question for Mary, call it in or text it in, 651-989-9226, and we'll uh, put you on the radio or we'll get that text read. Here's another text, Mary. It says, could you use a sand layer? over the soil on potted tomatoes in the summer to reduce leaf diseases? That's a great question. I'm I'm not sure anybody has researched that. But the uh, leaf diseases that tomatoes get, uh, septoria leaf spot, early late blight, alternaria, and so on, those leaf spot diseases are pretty ubiquitous. In other words, they're they're kind of in the air everywhere, and it's hard to completely keep that foliage dry. So keeping the foliage dry is one of the things we recommend to minimize leaf diseases. And uh, if you had sand on the soil, that might make a drier surface there. But still, if it's heavy dew one morning and so on, that I don't think that will completely eliminate it. Uh, good air circulation and keeping the foliage as dry as possible, those are the best steps to uh, minimize tomato leaf diseases. All right. Let's uh, take a phone call. Uh, by the way, 651-989-9226 is that phone number as well. Uh, Lauren's calling in on the cell phone, I believe. Lauren, you are on with Mary Meyer. Thank you. I have a elm tree that we moved from southwest Minnesota up to, <clears throat> excuse me, the Barnes, Wisconsin area. We cut it off at about 10 feet. We used heavy equipment to haul it up there. There's wagon wheels in there that are built into the tree or grew into the tree. But my question is the critters, it started out real good for the first couple of years. The critters got to it and all the branches are stripped with the bark. Do I cut them off? Uh, Yes, Lauren. If you've got branches with no bark, I would cut them off. Um, This is a good time of year to do pruning on elm trees or oak trees with oak wilt and so on. Very few insects are out yet this time of year. So, yeah, if you don't have any um, bark on those branches, I would prune them off. Uh, Elms are a pretty tough tree. It sounds like that was a big one that you transplanted. Uh, but, uh, yes, given enough water, uh, they're, they're a native tree, so hopefully it will be okay. Another tree question uh, just came in, uh, Mary. A worker, uh, there's a text, a worker installing a cable climbed our ash tree wearing power pole spikes, damaged the bark and the tree. Do I need to be concerned about emerald ash borer? 
Yes. Damage the bark and the tree. Do I need to be concerned about emerald ash borer? Yes, we're all very concerned about emerald ash borer and the damage to the trunk of the tree uh, could make an entry point for um, the borer. And uh, so you want to do a really good inspection on the tree. Uh, I would urge uh, everyone to be familiar with a map that the Department of Agriculture has uh, put up for the state of Minnesota that shows exactly where the emerald ash borer is. Uh, most people know that it's a quarantine area here in the metro, the seven county metro, but it's really helpful to know where exactly uh, the borer has been sited in relation to your property. And I know where I live in Plymouth, there are some new locations on each side of me now, east and west. So uh, understanding how close the borer is, making a decision about how important the tree is to you, whether or not you want to treat it with a preventative insecticide, or if you want to plant other trees, because we're going to lose a lot of our ash, unfortunately. In this case, I would recommend to have an arborist come out and look at the tree and assess how much damage has been done. And then you can evaluate whether or not you want to use a preventative uh, insecticide. And we have so many great certified arborists in our uh, neck of the woods. We're very fortunate in that uh, in that case. Uh, Mary, we need to yes. take a quick break here, but uh, we come back to let's find out what's going on at the Arboretum as we approach spring and approach March. We'll come back with more. If you have a uh, lawn or garden question for Mary Meyer, call it in or text it in. Same number, 651-989-9226. 30 degrees in the Twin Cities. Could get one to three inches of snow, maybe even a little bit of rain overnight, maybe another one to two tomorrow. You stay tuned to News Talk 830 WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here on CCO every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your phone calls and text messages. In this case this morning, Mary Meyer is with us from the University of Minnesota. And uh, we're going to try to grab as many calls and texts as we can, Mary. As you know, we we tend to get real busy. Uh, In fact, there's a Mary on the line we'll get to in a moment. But what's going on at the uh, Arboretum these days as we head into March? Well, the Arboretum is open. Uh, You just need to make a reservation online. I was looking at that this morning. Very easy to do. Um, You uh, pick an hour, pick a day you want to go, pick an hour you want to go, and you'll be all set. Uh, The Arboretum is free for members. Uh, There is a charge $15 for adults, but that can count towards your membership if you join the Arboretum. And Plenty going on out there. The walking trails are open. Uh, Three-mile drive is sanded um, as well. Uh, snowshoe trails are open, and you can rent snowshoes there. The ski trails are icy today. You can always find the conditions of the trails online. Uh, that's updated every day, so you can see what the uh, weather conditions are out there. Um, in the Oswald Visitor Center, we have a couple of... Um, galleries that are open with wonderful art displays. You can read about those online, and the gift shop is uh, open as well in the building. So a great chance to walk around uh, these milder days and enjoy uh, winter at the Arboretum. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a nice week to, to do that very thing as we get into the mid-40s. Uh, we have callers. We have texters. Let's uh, get to the phones. I think Mary, uh, calling from Minneapolis. Mary, you're on with Mary. Hello. I am. Hello, Mary. This is Mary. Um, um, we lost a maple, a silver maple tree um, uh, last year. And I'm wondering, um, we want to plant another maple tree. Do you have any recommendations for a good maple tree or a couple of different kinds of maple trees? Of course, we're looking for color. Um, and hopefully it can grow. Um, well, I know maple trees grow fairly fast. We already have one of the silver maple red rubrum crosses, and uh, we probably wouldn't have that get that one again. Yes. Um, so as you said, there are new crosses now. Uh, people, the silver maple is great because it's a fast grower, but it uh, has some weedy characteristics as well. But it has been used in crosses with other maples, red maple, sugar maple, etc. And so I would urge you to get a variety of different cultivar names, um, not the same one, that, not exactly the same one that you have. But there are several new crosses that are available. Some of these are uh, from the University of Minnesota. And um, they are all up online. You can find them. And they're fairly easy to find at garden centers. Um, if you're really interested in the fall color and exactly what that looks like, the, the ideal time is to go in the fall of the year to the garden center, and then you can see the exact color that individual trees have. But a lot of the cultivars that are available now are um, selected because of their wonderful fall color. And then, of course, going to the Arboretum, you could see another uh, display. We have a lot of maples listed there, and you can find them, individual ones, online. You can look even, even at your own home. You can look through the uh, digital map system that we have now to find where they're located, and then you can go there and look. But um, I can come up with some specific names in just a minute or two here, but I would say one of the crosses is good. Um, there are a lot of other native trees besides maples that are great. Uh, hackberries are another great tree. Uh, some of the honey locusts are very nice also. Kentucky coffee tree, those are other uh, good selections. A lot of good options for sure. Uh, Mary, a texter wants to know, how far apart should tomatoes be planted in pots and how big of pots? Well, the larger the pot, the better. Uh, you, if you're growing a, a standard, regular tomato, uh, that is going to take a pot that's at least five gallons, uh, five or ten gallon pot. Kind of the, the bigger, uh, the better, really. Uh, the smaller the pot, you'll have to water it really often. And watering, having to water more than once a day, <clears throat> that can be problematic. So I would just say a large pot. And then as far as the spacing goes, you want to just make sure that they're um, like four to five feet apart is ideal so that they can get sun all the way around the plant. Uh, if the pots are closer together, uh, they will tend to shade each other. So that's kind of a, the, the negative part of it. So uh, space them so they can get as much uh, sun as possible. Makes good sense. Uh, let's go to the phones. Bill is calling from Maryville, I believe, this morning. Bill, you're on with Mary Meyer. 
Yeah, I was has uh, had a question about uh, herbicide Garlon. If she could knows anything about Garlon. Garlon, what? You, you heard of that, Mary? Garlon. Yes, yes, I have heard of that uh, herbicide. Um, we don't usually just outright talk about herbicides, um, and, and but you know that's. Tricaplor is another name for garlon that's often used as a, uh, a pasture herbicide, but sometimes um, it's, it's, you'll find that um, you really have to look at the uh, list of ingredients <laughs> that are on the herbicide, but I, I would start more with what weeds are you trying to kill? Uh, try to identify and make sure you know what the weeds are that you want to kill. Uh, you don't want to use uh, a heavy hitting herbicide on a weed that's an annual that's going to die anyway. So you want to make sure you know what plants uh, are you trying to kill and what areas are you going to use that on. And then, of course, you have to use this in accordance with what's on the label. So the label is definitely the law as far as how you can use and when you should use a herbicide. That makes sense, too. Mary, we're going to take a break and look at that forecast, which could be snowy. Uh, in fact, we're in the middle of a winter weather advisory from 9 tonight till 9 tomorrow morning. We'll get you the details coming up in a moment or two, and then we'll have another half hour of our Smart Garden Show here on Newstalk 830 WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to uh, CCO's Smart Garden Show, here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your phone calls and text messages. This morning for Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping you out. And Mary, as usual, we have callers, we have texters. Let's, uh, let's see, Diane is first up here, I think, calling from Minneapolis. Thanks for waiting, Diane. What is your question? Well, I'm calling with a comment ah. uh, from Mary. I was reading a magazine, and the title of the article was 10 Brilliant Uses for Plain Yogurt. And I'd like to know your feeling about the number 10th comment. It says, one of your favorite indoor plants seems to have powdery white mildew on it. To the rescue, yogurt. Simply mix one tablespoon of the plain variety with one cup of water, then pour into a spray bottle and spritz generously on the plant. Microbes in the yogurt will destroy the mildew so your plant will soon be back to its healthy self. Hey, Mary, how about that? <laughs> yes. So thanks, Diane, for that uh, that information. There have been some trials with buttermilk controlling powdery mildew, and they've had mixed results. Now, uh, buttermilk is somewhat similar to yogurt, not quite the same thing, but somewhat similar. So this is um, a remedy that comes up from time to time. Um more often, well, we do have powdery mildew inside uh, plants, but most of the time this is on our outdoor plants. Uh, things like garden flocks, monarda tend to get uh, mildew. And so maybe uh, it might work. It might work. Um, it, the trials have been somewhat mixed for this. Um, again, keeping the foliage dry is a good uh, preventative for powdery mildew, having good air circulation, and then buying plants that have inherent disease resistance 
is another method. But you could try this. Um, I don't think it would work so well on houseplants. Uh, things are dry inside, so we don't usually have that uh, problem with mildew indoors. But you could just make it worse, I think, with the uh, humidity that might increase indoors. Aha, uh -huh. I see a text message that means can spring be far behind an actual lawn yeah. question. Here we go. comes from Mark and Hugo. The text says, what's the first thing I can do for my lawn once the snow is gone? What order of things should I do first is the question. And and the, and the University of Minnesota website, you, you have kind of a, a thing that Mark would love to, to read, I think. Yes, Julie Weisenhorn did a great job of putting together a lawn care calendar. Our turf specialists also weighed in on that. And so, yeah, we have it down right by the, by the date uh, from spring through fall. So I would say the first thing to do is when the grass is dry is to rake the lawn. And you want to remove any uh, leaves from last fall, any uh, dead grass that's there. But raking once the uh, soil is dry enough is uh, the first thing to do in the spring. All right. Very good. Back to the phones we go. Uh, Phyllis is calling in from New Richmond, I believe. Phyllis, thanks for waiting. What's your question for Mary Meyer? Uh, thank you. Uh, Mary, I have uh, what's called an arrow garden. It's a hydroponic garden for in the home. It's about 12 inches round and holds about six and holds six herbs. It comes with a proprietary liquid fertilizer that you can purchase only from them. Um, are there other fertilizers out there for these small hydroponic gardens, and would it, they be uh, adequate? Yes, uh, Phyllis, there are other ones you can use. Uh, we have a new publication up on our website about hydroponics and doing this on a home system. Uh, there are some that you can buy now, like what you have done, that come ready-made with everything in there. But if you want to set up your own system, you can easily do that with, you know, just some plastic tubs that you can buy um, in, in uh, you know, a store yourself. And, yes, we have the recommendations online for uh, the rates of liquid fertilizer to use. So you can certainly um, use uh, a comparable one. So our extension.umn.edu website, if you uh, get to that and click on Yard and Garden, or you can put in the search engine hydroponics, um, growing plants indoors, it, it will come up with that information. So uh, good for you. That's a, a fun new thing to, to uh, do. I hope you're getting a lot of herbs. You have herbs from that. Some people do greens, lettuce, uh, kale, things like that. Sounds like kind of fun. Yeah. All right, let's see. Texter says this. How do you get rid of sawflies on raspberries? I'm trying to avoid pesticides if possible, but if that is the best route, what is a good pesticide to use? Well, I would urge you, yeah, to try the other uh, things that are available, exclusion, um, some of the trapping and so on that you can do. So other methods, uh, rather than use a herbis or a, a pesticide, because uh, obviously you're going to eat the raspberries. So that's why you have to be very careful about using the chemicals in the timing of when you're going to be actually um, harvesting the raspberries. So we have great information on raspberries, and the timing of this is really what's critical. 
So again, if you go to the extension website and look up raspberries, a lot of it with sawflies is preventative or catching the insects when they're very young, far in advance of when you would want to actually harvest the, the raspberries. Talked about this earlier in the show, Mary. Uh, Texter sent this in. What could be pruned during these nice winter days? Perfect question for now because this is a good time to start pruning your fruit trees. Uh, this is when commercial growers are out pruning. If you drive by orchards, you can actually see their piles of pruning with uh, fruit trees. So apple trees, uh, plums, and so on. This is the time of year to do pruning on them when they're dormant. Uh, we have some great videos on pruning, assessing your tree, making sure that you're looking at it from all angles, and pruning it so that branches that you leave, each branch gets as much light as possible. Other things we're pruning right now are oaks. Uh, this is the time of year when uh, the least uh, likely to transmit oak wilt. So when trees are totally dormant now, uh, pruning, uh, we want to have that all done before we get into April. All right. This texture says, I put a, my fire table on the lawn so it wouldn't scorch my driveway. However, it burnt the grass down to the dirt. In the spring, how should I repair it? Thank you. So as soon as the soil is dry enough, I would do some raking uh, to uh, rake up the soil. And then I would put down the seed and keep it moist for two weeks. Uh, depending on if it's sun or shade, uh, you can buy the sun or shade grass seed. Uh, we rec still recommend a, a mixture for most uh, lawns with Kentucky bluegrass, perennial rye, and fine fescue. If you're interested in lower maintenance or have shady conditions, then make sure you get something that has a majority of the fine uh, fescues in that. While ideally it'd be great to do the seeding in the fall, it's a bare patch. And so, uh, yes, as soon as the soil's dry enough in uh, May, you could put the grass seed down. Okay. This texture says, I have a shamrock plant that I brought in from outside last fall, but it is leggy. How do I make it look thicker? I've cut it back twice. Well, cutting it back is good. Um, I would have to actually look that up, but my guess is that shamrocks like cooler conditions. So they need the brightest light possible in the south window and then cool conditions. So anything above 70 degrees is going to make it leggier, and they try to keep it uh, in as cool a condition as possible. All right. This texture has a problem with yellow jackets on my balcony, but would love to have flowers what kind is best so they don't come around? Is that even possible? Yeah, you know, the yellow jackets, it sounds to me like maybe your uh, deck is an ideal location for their nesting. Hmm. And yellow jackets are not going to nest in flowers. They tend to like to nest in uh, well, in between boards, they like to go into cracks and crevices along uh, our homes. So I would try to uh, locate any areas where there uh, is a good spot for them to nest and try to remove or uh, mitigate those areas so that you don't have a good place for them to nest. I, I'm not sure the flowers is um, yellow jackets are not so attracted to flowers as they are a warm site to get their nest in a crack or crevice of the building. 
Okay. This uh, listener has a hothouse hydrangea, and the edges of the leaves are turning black and then falling off. Any ideas why and what's going on? The plants are two years old. Yeah, that's that. Usually, that tip burn is um, a fluctuation in water conditions. So, trying to keep it as moist as possible and not totally dry out really uh, a lot. So I, that's tough. This, these, the florist hydrangeas like a lot of water. They need quite a bit of water. So I just try to be careful and keep it evenly, as evenly moist as possible. Um, if they've had it two years, they're doing most things right. So that's good. Uh, this listener wants to know, and you mentioned earlier, where can I find the emerald ash borer map? Yeah, basically, I would just Google that uh, and put in Minnesota. Minnesota Emerald Ash Borer Map, and okay. you'll come up with a Department of Ag website uh, that has that. And then, yeah, you can put, even put in a zip code there, and you can see uh, where all the incidences are. So, it, yeah, it is pretty easy to find, and it keeps changing. Uh, as things are reported, sometimes you'll read in the newspaper about it. You can also put in your own uh, email there to get updates as things change with that uh, for where the the latest um, occurrences are. And um, uh, I did want to mention, uh, Denny, we had that call about recommending maple trees. Oh, yeah. Maples. Yeah, so I looked up and um, I Googled uh, Best Maple Trees Minnesota Extension. And I came up with an article written by Erin Buckholz, who does the IPM workout at the Arboretum. She recommended three sugar maples, Apollo, Fall Fiesta, and Green Mountain. Now, even though it says Green Mountain, these are three maples that have a beautiful fall color. They've been selected for doing well in Minnesota Mountain. These are three maples that have a beautiful fall color. They've been selected for doing well in Minnesota. And so they're ones that hopefully um, the caller who, if they're still listening, can look for those. Now, these are not hybrids. These are sugar maples, but they are ones that are superior sugar sugar maples. Apollo, Fall Fiesta, and Green Mountain. Okay, very good. Thanks for that, Mary. Uh, We need to take a quick break. We have more show to come. 651-989-9226 is our phone and text number. 30 degrees with uh, some snow on the way, maybe a little rain overnight, and maybe tomorrow, too. You stay tuned to News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Just a reminder, coming along next hour in the 9 o'clock hour, get those home improvement questions ready for uh, Andy Lindis. He'll be fielding those next hour. In the meantime, Mary Myers with us from the University of Minnesota, talking lawns and gardens. And as usual, Mary, a lot of questions to wait through. Uh, by the way, I'm going to save a bunch of these, if not all the ones we don't get to, and we'll uh, pick up on those uh, next week. Here is one, though, for you. Uh, Texter has a red gala apple tree. Huge producer, but too tall to harvest from. How do I prune it and how low? Comes from Joel. Well, Joe, you can prune it quite a bit. Yeah, the kind of question is, can you reach up there to actually yeah. prune it? So maybe a snowbank is high by that apple tree now. That might help you out. Uh, but, yes, um, this is the time of year to prune it. Uh, you can prune it a lot. 
um, you know, I guess you could take off a third of what's out there. Um, it's been a good producer for you. And if it consistently prunes every year, uh, you might debate how much you actually want to prune it. Um, if it's a biennial bearer, which apples tend to do, pruning will help to stabilize that so that you get uh, not extremes from one year to the next. But you can take off quite a bit. And again, uh, we have videos showing uh, Annie Claude did a nice video on pruning apple trees. And really, you want to assess how many branches are up there and try to let each branch that you remains have as much light around it as possible. But you can take a lot of the top off. Uh, heavy pruning will increase a lot of sucker growth. So you'll want to be prepared to take care of that. This texter, Mary, says, good morning. A blue hyacinth rooting and growing in a vase of water, uh, flower dry leaves green. Can this be planted outside? How and when? A blue hyacinth. Right. It probably won't bloom again, uh, but you could try it. Uh, The bulb has to grow and store enough food so that it's as big as it was when you started out. And that's pretty difficult with it just being in water. But planting it outside would be done um, in the springtime when Uh, daffodils and hyacinths are blooming outside. Once you can dig into the soil, you should put it uh, back into the soil, put it in the soil, and then it would go through the dormant period in the summer. Early spring next year, it would start to grow again, but um, pretty hard to get that to bloom again. This listener, uh, Mary, wants to know, is it okay to trim off branches of a flowering crab tree this weekend? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. this is a good time of year to prune our fruit trees and crabapples would be like that. So, yes, you could do that this weekend. Now, with a crabapple, of course, we love the spring blooms and those blooms are those buds are already set in that tree. So you will be removing the flowers. So you anything you cut off, obviously, that's you're removing the flowers. So if you want to wait till just after it flowers, you could prune it then as well. Okay. This listener wants to know which rhubarb varieties grow best in Minnesota. Uh, I would have to look up the names of some rhubarb varieties, but um, pretty much any rhubarb variety is going to grow well in Minnesota. Rhubarb only grows in cold conditions like we have in the north. There's no rhubarb variety coming in from Florida that might not do well here. Pretty much all the rhubarbs um, are plants that do well in cold conditions. But um, I would, again, go to the extension.umn.edu website, and I would search for rhubarb and specific varieties. Now, that reminds me that the Master Gardeners in Minnesota have just announced their results from the 2020 season last Mm -hmm. summer with the vegetables that they trialed. And so you can see what plants they recommended from their trials last year and many years before that. So vegetable varieties for Minnesota are up on the extension.umn.edu website. And um, 
A great thing to do there is to look up what varieties to plant because that's really important with many of our tomatoes, peppers, beans, and so on to get disease-resistant varieties. Well, we have about a minute and a half to go, Mary. Um, yeah, extension.umn.edu. Always a great read. There's so much information there. Let's grab one more quick text, if we may. Uh, this texture has a, got a peace lily for Christmas. No directions. I am not a houseplant person, and I can't give it back to the person. They have a cat and a big dog. What what can they d- tell this texture about the peace lily? Okay, a peace lily is a great houseplant. It's quite easy to grow. It loves a lot of water. So it tends to have a big flat leaf, and I would give it quite a bit of water, let it drain out the bottom of the pot as well. Peace lilies are known for flowering indoors. If you give it good light conditions, hopefully it will flower indoors. It tends to get brown on the edges of its leaves because it's very sensitive to uh, fluctuations in water, and uh, so be careful about watering it. But tends to like a lot of water and good light conditions. And I wouldn't worry about giving it back or giving it away. I just enjoy it while it's growing. It's a good advice. Mary, always a pleasure. Thanks so much again for for our help. And uh, I hope we can talk soon. Yes, great to be here. Good to hear your voice, Denny. Thanks, Mary. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Yeah, check out the website if you haven't done so already. Tremendous amount of work has gone into it, and there's a lot of information you, you'll enjoy reading. Extension.umn.edu. We'll give you that every show here on uh, CCO. And thanks again to Mary Meyer, horticulturist from the University of Minnesota. Well, how much snow are we going to get? Maybe one to three inches overnight. Maybe another one to two inches tomorrow. We'll get the further details from Al coming along with the news here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Right now, air is calm. CCO temperature reading holding at 30. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com.